Okay, you're not sick. You're single. You just have to relax and enjoy the ride. When you're single, it's easy sometimes to feel alone and discouraged. So how do you overcome these feelings and find contentment? I don't want to part this earth if I gotta do it solo. Whether you're rich or poor, whether you're married or not, you will be content. Why? Because you have a God-given purpose. Welcome to Anchor Points, a ministry of Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more at fredericksdachurch.org. Today, Robert Quintana wraps up the last part of his series, Long Upon the Land, and shares encouragement for those who are single or feel alone with his message, Flying Solo. Uh, today, we're going to be wrapping up our series on, on marriage and family and how to improve our relationships with our spouses, with our kids. And um, one of those areas that I think is oftentimes left out in series like this is how about those among us who are single? How about those who are still in singlehood? I mean, they still have a family, right? But it's interesting, they deal with certain feelings and uh, certain aspects of life that sometimes those who are married or are in family, or if you're too young and you're a child, well, maybe you don't deal with those same types of issues. And so you'll remember that we've talked about, you know, we were focusing on um, how to honor your father and your mother, right? Remember that the last few weeks, if you've missed those, you can um, go online to our website, uh, fredericksdachurch.org, and, and you can download those if you'd like to catch up on the series. Um, but today, I want to talk primarily to those here today or who are listening on the radio who are single. And I want to specifically hone and talk about the feeling of loneliness. And so while primarily I'll be speaking to those who are single, it doesn't just apply to those who are single or in singlehood. Because really, loneliness is a feeling that a lot of us feel. In fact, you can be single and feel lonely. Uh, you can be divorced. You can be widowed. Um, perhaps your children have just graduated and they've gone off to college and you're feeling lonely. I know that some of you are happy that they've moved on. <laughs> but still, the empty nest syndrome. It is possible that you are married and you still feel lonely. And so today we're going to look at that and I want to, at the very least, help you bear with the feelings of loneliness. And my hope is, my prayer is, that you will walk away from here a different person and actually begin to enjoy being single, if that makes any sense. So at the least, I hope that it will help you to deal with your loneliness. What I hope will happen is that as we share some passages from scripture, that you will actually be content in where you are in life right now. You know, there was a time in my life where I felt lonely. There was a time in my life where I was wanting a girlfriend, a spouse, someone that I can spend the rest of my life with, a companion. I remember 
The day that I took my car to the car wash to get washed, I've had that car now 14 years. Can you believe that? It's still going, um, I can't say it's going strong. <laughs> I think it's on its last leg. You know, when you first get a new car and you, know, you, you, you keep it up, you clean it, you wash it like almost every other day, right? I remember taking my car to the car wash to, to get washed and you know, I take it to the car wash, I, I wash it, and then you drive up to where the vacuum is and you put in you know, your quarters and then it's like a race because you, you want to get it done and you don't want to have to put any more quarters in, right? And so I'm, I'm vacuuming up the driver's side, you know, going really fast, you know, get, you know, getting all the dirt, all the little pebbles, crawling in the back seat, you know, trying to get everything done. And then I throw it into the passenger side. I run around the car, right? And I grab it and I go to vacuum the passenger side and it is clean. I mean, there is not a speck there is not a pebble, there is not a leaf, it is just clean. Vacuum's still going, but now all of a sudden I'm in another place. And I'm thinking to myself, this passenger side of the car is clean because I am single. <laughs> I am single. I don't have someone in my life to dirty the passenger side of the car. And I remember thinking to myself, I will never, ever, God, complain when I have to clean the passenger side of the car. And so I've experienced those feelings of loneliness. And I know that there are some here today who have also experienced those feelings of loneliness. I know that there are some here today who are experiencing those feelings of loneliness. And again, you can be single, experiencing those feelings. You may be widowed, you may be divorced, you may be a single parent. And like I said, you could be married and still feeling those feelings of loneliness. And what I wanna share with you here today is how can we move away from those feelings of loneliness to live a life of purpose, to live a life where we are content where we are. So before I share with you what I feel is the heart of today's message, I wanna share with you two things. The first thing is that God promised every one of us, it is in his word and it is repeated in his word time and time again, that he will never leave you nor forsake you. That is a promise that God has given each of us that I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, at the very least, on an intellectual level, you need to know that. There are times in life where we don't feel his presence. There are times in life when we feel as though he has abandoned us, but you can't let your feelings trump what the scripture says. And the scripture says that he will never leave you nor forsake you. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13. I'm reading from the New King James Version this morning, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says this, let your conduct be without covetousness, be content with 
such things as you have. Stop there for one second. Be content. Don't misunderstand this word and don't confuse it with complacency. There is a huge difference between being content and being complacent. God isn't asking you to stop striving. God isn't asking you to stop dreaming. God isn't asking you to stop moving forward. In fact, God does not like complacency. In fact, there are many times in scripture where he says, I don't like complacency. In the New Testament, in Revelation, when talking about the writing to the church in Laodicea, he does not like complacency. He would rather you be hot or cold, but not lukewarm. Wherever you may be in life right now, I want you to be content with what you have, with who you are, with where you're at in life. Be content. Don't be complacent. No, no, but be content. And this is what he says. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, and here's the promise, he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You can be content and you can know at the very least on an intellectual level that God is with you every step of the way. When you're successful, when you fail, when you're happy, when you're sad, when you're going through sorrow, when you're going through a joyous time in life, God is there. You know, there are some people that believe that if you sin or if you turn your back on God, then that's the moment when God leaves you, right? Some people think, well, that's the time that God abandons you and says, well, because, you know, you've chosen this, well, forget you, you find your way. But guys, that is not the picture that we have of God in scripture. No, no, no. Quite contrary to that, the Bible paints a picture of a God who is constantly seeking constantly searching that lost sheep. And the Old Testament tells us that it doesn't matter where you go. You can ascend into heaven. You can go into the depths of the sea. You can make your bed in hell. The Bible says there God will find you. There his righteous hand will lead you. The second thing I want to share with you before, we, before I share with you what I believe is the heart of today's message is that God, through Jesus Christ, understands the pain of loneliness, okay? You need to know today, at the very least, in an intellectual level, that God, through Jesus Christ, understands the pain of loneliness. He experienced it. There were times in his life where his friends left him, abandoned him. There were times in his life where he felt as though no one else understood why he had been sent here. There were times in his life while here on earth where he felt lonely and he felt abandoned. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 53 Isaiah chapter 53, starting with verse 3, we'll read verse 3 and 4. He is despised and rejected by men. Here we have a prophecy that had been given to Isaiah as he foretold 
the sufferings of Christ. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. You need to know this morning that God understands the pain of loneliness. You need to know that he has experienced that feeling and he knows what it feels like to be alone. So the first two things that I just want to share with you before we dive into what I think is the heart of today's message is, is, is very simple. First, you need to understand that God has promised that he will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. The second thing you need to know that Jesus understands, that Jesus knows those feelings that you're going through right now. Still leaves us though with the feeling of loneliness. And so if we're struggling with that, how can we overcome it, right? That is what I wanna answer here today is how can we overcome the feeling of loneliness? Because loneliness can be like a wound right? And if that wound isn't taken care of, well, guess what? It's just going to get worse. But there is a way, I believe, Scripture shows us a way that we can cure this wound and we can heal this wound. In other words, what I want to share with you is the Neosporin, all right, of how we can deal with loneliness. A week ago, I got this cut on my finger, and it was pretty deep, all right? I looked at it, and my first thought was, I need stitches. But as a typical guy, I went, nah. <laughs> I don't need stitches. I cleaned it up, grabbed some alcohol. And then I thought, maybe I should put some Neosporin on there, right? And so I put some Neosporin, and then I put a bandage around it, and I, I did it so that I can keep my finger straight. Unfortunately, it's my middle finger, so it was a little awkward for, for a week or so there. But I kept my finger straight, and uh, every night um, I would take the bandage off to kind of let it breathe a little bit. And then in the morning, I would put a little more Neosporin on, and I'd repackage it again. I, I wish you could see how this has healed up. And, it is, uh, and this only happened a week ago. And I'm, I told Heather a couple of days ago, I was like, you know, this Neosporin really works. Like, it's good stuff because I've had cuts before where I haven't put the Neosporin and then it gets infected and it gets ugly and it gets red, right? Today, I just want to share with you the Neosporin, what I believe is the Neosporin to help those who are struggling with loneliness, all right? And to do that, I want to go and look at perhaps the poster child of singlehood. Can anybody guess what I'm talking about? The poster child of singlehood? Paul, the Apostle Paul. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. In just a moment, you'll see why I said the poster child of singlehood. 
starting with verse 7, he says this, Paul writing to the church in Corinth, for I wish that all men were even as myself, but each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. Verse 8, but I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am. Hello? He is here now encouraging singles and he is encouraging those who are widows to remain single just as he is. Now you see why I say the poster child of singlehood. He's actually promoting it. He's actually saying, you know what? It's good. Be single. Enjoy it. Right? Now, something that um, most people don't realize is that there is strong evidence to suggest that Paul, listen to this, at one point was married. Obviously, at the time that he wrote this, he was single. But there is strong evidence to suggest that Paul at one point was married. Why do we know this? For one, Eusebius, the historian, says that he was married. So that's one, all right? One reason to believe so. Another reason to believe that he could have been married is that if you were a Pharisee or if you were a part of the Sanhedrin, it was a requirement for you to be married. So if indeed he was a Pharisee or he was a part of the Sanhedrin, then chances are he was married. Now, we don't know for sure. Biblically speaking, we can't nail that down. We don't know for sure that he was married at one point. The Bible only says that he was very far along in Judaism, and we know that he had associations with Pharisees and with the Sanhedrin, so we don't know exactly how far along he was. Was he far along enough where he was married? We don't know, but you know, the evidence keeps on piling up when you start looking at other things that he has written about marriage and you think, man, this guy had pretty good insight on marriage and the relationship between marriage and whatnot. And I was thinking to myself, man, this is interesting, you know. Uh, maybe this explains why he said some of the things about marriage. I thought to myself, you know, was, was he divorced? Uh, was he widowed? Maybe his wife died. I started to think maybe his wife left him when he joined the Christian movement, right? And maybe because it was such a bad thing, they gave the permission for his wife to, to leave him because he decided to go and follow in the footsteps of Christ. And then I got to thinking, I was like, man, maybe this is why he talked about if you're married to an unbeliever, not to leave them because maybe they will come back. So I can't prove any of this. This is just me thinking out loud. You know, there's good evidence to suggest that at one point he was married, but we know that when he wrote this, he was single. And now we hear him, we, we read his counsel to those who are single and those who are widowed not to get married. In other words, to stay single. Now, the question begs to be asked, why in the world would Paul give this kind of advice? Right? I mean, why would he say this? I, I love what he says in the following passage, 
verse nine, this is what he says. He says, but if they cannot exercise self-control, then let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. He says that, all right? But, but the verses here, he, he's encouraging people to stay single. Why would he say that? He was on a mission, was he not? To spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. He had a purpose. He had a mission. And that purpose that he had was God-given. And that purpose that he had was to be fulfilled, right? And because he had that purpose in his life to spread the gospel, he did not have any feelings of loneliness. He did not have any feelings of rejection. Why? Because he had a God-given purpose in life. Now listen, I'm not saying that married couples, uh, I'm not saying that um, married couples would be ineffective in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not what I'm saying. But what Paul is saying is that if you have a purpose, a God-given purpose, that marriage or being with someone comes second. That comes second. You imagine Paul with these extended travels, being shipwrecked, going to prison, having a family, a wife, and family back home to tend to? Obviously, Paul couldn't have done the things that he did if he had a family, if he had a wife and kids to attend to. He couldn't have gone on these extended trips. He couldn't have gone, you know, on and on from from one city to the other church planting in Corinth and Ephesus and in Philippi. And so Paul says, for the sake of the cause, for the purpose that has been given to us, it is better or not better, I encourage you, stay single. If you're widowed, that's all right, because we have a purpose, we have a purpose. Now, here, here's, I, I wanna try and bring this together because the Neosporin to the wound of loneliness is purpose. When you have purpose in life, when you have a God-given purpose, you will find as Paul mentioned, that you will be content in whatever situation you're in. Whether you're rich or poor, whether you have a lot or have a little, whether you're married or not, you will be content. Why? Because you have a God-given purpose. And I know the question that's rising up in some of your minds right now is, okay, then what's my purpose, right? That's the next one. Then how do I find purpose in life? And you know, I can give you some kind of broad themes as to how you can find your purpose. I believe that our purpose in life is to worship and to serve God. That's a great place for you to start. And you can go back home and say, okay, God, how am I worshiping you? How am I serving you? But how it plays out in your individual life from a day-to-day existence, I can't tell you that. That's between you and God. That's something that you need to find out on your own as you spend time with God, 
as you you build that covenant relationship with him, he will lead you into that purpose that he has for your life. Some of us might say, well, man, that's pretty hard. Yeah, it is. I don't have time. No, actually, you do. You know what? If we were to spend the same amount of time and energy that we do on Facebook or MySpace or same time and energy that we spend on the internet or watching television, a, a study just came out that says the average American spends anywhere between four and six hours a day watching television. Could you imagine if we were to spend that same time and energy with our creator, with our God, seeking his will for our lives? You will find that purpose. You will find that God-given purpose for your life. And I am telling you that when you find that God-given purpose in your life, you know what will happen? The loneliness, the fear of rejection, all of those things that we sometimes struggle through singlehood will disintegrate, will slowly fade away into the distance. Because let me remind you of this one text. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. Anchor Points with Robert Quintana is a ministry of the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to share it with a friend. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or at frederickSDAchurch.org. How do you live out what the Bible teaches? Next week, Robert Quintana will help you understand the four types of people who receive God's Word and how you can choose to use it in his message, Living God's Word. Also, if you're wanting to learn more about how to begin a life change or just wanting more answers, we'd love to talk with you. Feel free to visit us online and check out some of our resources at frederickSDAchurch.org. You can also call us during the week at 301-662-5254. We're located right between I-70 and Route 15 on Jefferson Pike. Our main service takes place Saturdays at 11 a.m., and we'd love for you to join us sometime. Remember, God loves you and wants you to live out His purpose.